Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, good morning, Eastridge. Glad you're here. Super excited. It's uh, our first Easter service on this campus. Uh, the second one, we had one at 8 o'clock. And over two years, in two years, super excited about your being here today and about everything that this day holds. If you're a guest, hey, thanks for being our guest today. Uh, so glad that you're here. And we have a gift for you out front on your way out. There's a bag out there that we'd love to get in your hands, just some information about the church and a small gift in there, just a sign of our appreciation of your being here today. And I'm going to jump in. Why? I've got four kids. This was a predominant question for years. Why? You'd say something, the answer would be, why? As a matter of fact, uh, I remember when Marissa was little, um, I was talking to her and in tears. She was going, but why? No matter what I said, but why? And then we have an answer as parents, it is, and that's because we have no other answer. You know? <laughs> and it's the only way to get them to shut up. You can't say shut up to your kids, so you just say, because I said so. Why is a loaded question. It is. It's loaded. We use it when we're inquisitive. We use it when we're defiant. We use it when we're stubborn. We use it when we're angry. We use it when we're accusatory. We say things like, why did you do that? Why did she say those things? Why didn't he call? Why aren't you home? Why are you crying? Why are you late? Why in the world would you believe that? And I want to give you a why question today that I think is one of the biggest why questions that you and I have to wrestle with. It's really the biggest question of our life. Why not Jesus? Why not Jesus? See, we, we, we celebrate this day because we believe a dead guy rose back to life. You want to, you, we, we, we use some words like crazy. You want to define crazy? It's when you believe a dead guy rose back to life. You want to define the word bizarre? It's when you believe a dead guy rose back to life. You want to use the word absurd? I love this word. I heard this word years ago when it talked about Jesus rising from the dead. It's absurd. You want to define absurd? It's when you believe that a dead guy rose back to life. You want to believe, I'm going to use the word unbelievable. You know what's unbelievable is to believe that a dead guy rose back to life. Yeah, that's what we believe. That's why we're here. Many of us believe it. We've based our whole life on this one thing, that there was a dead guy. His name was Jesus. He was the Son of God, and he rose back to life. It's unbelievable, I know. But yet, not everybody believes. 
You know people who don't believe. Maybe you're here today and you don't believe. It's been a crazy year. Maybe this year has made you lean towards not believing as much as you used to. But this morning I want to paint a picture of before and after. See, I think that when it comes down to unbelief, it's boiled down into really the three main reasons why people don't believe. And there may be more. I'm not saying this is it, but so here they are. Disappointment, fear, and doubt. And the story that I'm going to give you this morning, each one of these is going to be addressed. And you're going to see a before and an after. You know, we've all seen pictures of people before. When, when people lose weight, we love to do the before and after. And look, more power to you. Do it. You know what I'm saying? If you've lost weight, you do the before and after. Or if we're working on our house, we do the before and after. And as a matter of fact, you remember uh, uh, America's Extreme Home Makeover? You remember that show? They would park a bus in front of the old house. And they would, they would show you working, but they didn't show you the finished product. And then they would say, man, you guys are good. I didn't even try this first service because it was 8 o'clock and I knew that it was, they weren't going to say a word. So anyway, and they would move that bus and we got a picture. Same thing is true with the resurrection of Jesus. Before Jesus rises from the dead, there's disappointment, there's fear, and there's doubt. But then God said, move that stone. Jesus meets people in the midst of their biggest disappointment, their greatest fear, their strongest doubt, and things change. And I want to walk you through that story today because I believe that that story could be your story. I'll just tell you this is the truth. It's my story. Jesus turns disappointment into joy. Studies have shown that most people are disappointed with their life. Or they're disappointed with a part of their life. Disappointed with things that didn't turn out. Or disappointed with things that when they did turn out, they weren't as good as we thought they would be. Disappointed in ourselves. Disappointed with others. We all deal with some sort of disappointment. If you're a true Atlanta sports fan or, or a Georgia sports fan, you know disappointment. Super Bowl with the Falcons. Man, was there any more disappointing moment in our life? Up 28 to 3. You don't lose these games, people. But we do. The Braves losing to the Dodgers. Game 7 last year. Disappointment. UGA losing to Alabama, again, disappointment. Tech losing to everybody, again, <laughs> disappointment. I know, it's disappointing, it is, it's disappointing. But if, you're, if you've been here a while, you just, you just kind of live with it. But some of us have some really big disappointments. Some of you here today, you're disappointed with God. You may not say it. Jesus isn't what you thought He was. 
Or He doesn't do the things that you think He ought to do. Or you're disappointed with people who follow Jesus. You've heard me say it before that some of the deepest hurts are hurts from the church where you've just been disappointed the way someone has done, acted, said. Or maybe you're disappointed with yourself. Listen. That you know who you are. And you're just disappointed that you're not better. That you're not following Jesus closer. Well, the Scripture is a great story about Mary. Now, Jesus has said that, you know, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise from the dead. And after three days, he says, three days I'm going to rise from the dead. Well, Mary takes Him at His word. And so after three days, she goes to the tomb. Just Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, because man, she is disappointed. But she thought that Jesus was invincible. She's disappointed that He died. This is not the way she thought things were to go. But she has this tiny bit of, well, maybe. She stooped and looked in. And when she saw the two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where Jesus, where the body of Jesus had been lying, dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. She says, because they have taken away my Lord. She doesn't even get it. She doesn't even get that they're angels. She's just like, his body's not in there. She's disappointed. And so you see the before. But the after is this. Jesus turns her disappointment into joy. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize Him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought He was a gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken Him away, tell me where you've put Him and I will go and get Him. She thinks He's still dead. Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to Him and cried out, Rabboni, which means Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to Me, Jesus said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the other disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. That her disappointment is turned to joy. Jesus can do the same thing with yours. I'm not saying you're never going to be disappointed again. I'm just telling you, He can turn disappointment into joy. The same Jesus that raised, that rose from the dead, that was raised from the dead, can do that with any disappointment. Your biggest disappointment is not bigger than Jesus. It's not. Well, it's not just disappointments that keep us from it's fear. We have these fears. We all have fears. I love what Dave Barry says. He says that many people are afraid of being seen in their underwear. And some people are afraid of falling. And other people are afraid of lobsters. And a lot of people are afraid of falling in their underwear on lobsters. But the truth is, well, we've all got fears. Fears that we don't measure up. That we're not good enough. Fears because of our past. Fears of failure. Fears of rejection. 
fears that maybe Jesus wouldn't love us if He really knew everything about us. Or maybe the people of Jesus wouldn't love us if they knew everything about us. So we got fears. As a matter of fact, one of the underlying themes of the Bible is that uh, we would fear not. That over and over again, this is God's command because He knows that, that, that fear is prevalent in our lives, that we are naturally have these fears. And over and over again, we're call, He calls out to us, fear not, fear not, fear not. What I love about this story is we see the before picture. The disciples, they're afraid. Peter has denied that he ever knew Jesus out of fear. It was out of fear. Nothing else but fear. Fear for his life. The disciples have run and they're hiding. But then we see the after picture. That Jesus turns fear into power. Look at the Scriptures here. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. They had the doors locked. Do you ever do that? Lock the door. We think that keeps people out. Somebody wants to get in, they're getting in. You know that, don't you? But I lock mine too. I'm with you. Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, He said. And as He spoke, He showed them the wounds in His hands and His side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, He said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, so I am sending you. Then He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. See, the resurrected Jesus comes forth and He comes forth in power and He gives us power. When you accept Jesus into your life, when you accept Him in your heart, when you make this decision that you're going to follow Jesus, His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, comes to live inside of you. And it gives you power. Paul described it as this. He said, I've not given you a power, a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and self-control. That we have this power. And these same guys who were scared, who are holed up in this room with the door locked, thinking that's going to keep out the Roman guards, just a locked door is going to keep them out. They're huddled up, scared to death. These same guys preach the gospel. They tell people Jesus is alive. Guess what? We're here today because of 12 guys believed in Jesus Christ. All the way to their death. The power of God came into life. The same power is available to you and I. Listen, your greatest fear is no match for Jesus Christ. No match for Him. The same power that raised Him from the dead can work in your life. But it's not just disappointment. And it's not just fear. There's also doubts. Now here's a confession. I'm a skeptic. A skeptic is defined as a person who's inclined to question or doubt accepted opinions. I take very few things at faith value. Listen, this is not a great quality for a pastor. I'm just telling you. I'm a skeptic by nature. But I don't think I'm alone. Here's the truth. I think everybody has doubts. Maybe, maybe you don't. There, there may be some that don't, but I think everybody has doubts. Is Jesus who He said He was? Could this be true? How does this work? You place your faith in a dead guy and it changes things? 
You place your faith in a dead guy that's been raised to life. What does that even, how does that even work? Charles Spurgeon said, faith is a constant wrestling with doubt. Last week, I invited a guy to come to Easter Sunday. And he said, I said, man, why don't you come Easter Sunday? And he said, I appreciate it. He said, I probably won't. I said, why not? He said, I'm an agnostic. Basically, I've got a lot of doubts. And I think that's where a lot of us land. We've got a lot of doubts. And I love the Bible here. Because in this story, we see that Jesus has appeared to the other disciples. Well, one of the guys isn't there. And his name's Thomas. And he's not there. And they come back and they tell him this crazy story. Hey, we saw Jesus. Now, you have everybody tell you a crazy story. Tell the truth. Sometimes you get on the phone. Man, you ain't going to believe this. Or you walk away and you get in the car. And you go, that was whacked. Those guys are whacked right there. We do. We just do. We don't. I mean, it's, we're polite about it. We go, yeah. Get in the car and go, man, I'm gonna, I need to pray for them. Gosh. Some craziness. They come back to Thomas and say, we've seen Jesus. And you think that Thomas is going to go, okay, great, yeah, yippee. Look at what he says. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it. Now, that's probably where a lot of us would land, wouldn't we? I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand in the wound in his side. And here's the crazy thing about Jesus, that He meets us in the midst of our doubts. And He turns our doubts into faith. Before Jesus rises from the dead, man, there's a bunch of doubts. But after you see the resurrected Jesus, He can take our strongest doubts and turn them into faith. And that's what He does here. It says eight days later, disciples were together again, and this time Thomas is with them. The doors were locked, and, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. And then He said to Thomas, put your finger here. And look at my hands. And put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then Thomas says, My Lord and my God. Now, I don't know what kind of doubts you have. Maybe your doubts are based on your disappointments, maybe they're based on your fears. Maybe they're based on your experiences. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is stronger than your strongest doubt. And He can turn it into faith. See, at each point in this message, whether you're dealing with fear, disappointment, or doubt, Jesus meets us where we are, and He doesn't condemn anybody for having fear. He doesn't condemn anybody for being disappointed. He doesn't condemn anybody for having doubt. But He shows them who He is. I'm the Son of God. I've been raised from the dead. There's hope for you. 
I can change your life. I can work in your life. But you have to place your faith in me. And I know for some, you're thinking, man, that's a a huge step, Gary. I get it. Look, it is. But it may not be as big as you think. For the past uh, 18 months or so, I've been working out, and I know you're going, really? Anyway, once a year, yes. I've been working out with uh, this this, uh, gym in in Covington that I've really uh, grown fond of, and um, great people. And in one of the workouts, you have to do this thing called box up, box jumps, where you have to jump up onto this box. Now, I'm, I'm 56 years old. My days of jumping are about over. Is everybody with me on this? Like, I'm not really into that anymore, but I do it. And I know if you're in really good shape or if you're, if you're, I got some teenagers over here, they're looking at me like, whatever, man, come on. I used to could jump, used to. But anyway, you got this box and the, the, the exercise calls for you to jump up onto a 24 inch box. Well, here's the truth. You can also put it on 20 inches. You just turn the box the way it's made. Turn the box and put it on 20 inches. And so that's what I do. I put it on 20 inches. I'm not scared to jump on the box. I'm scared to fall off the box. There's a big difference. You fall at my age. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can't be down for the count. When I was five years old and I fell, I just got up. Now that doesn't happen when you fall. You fall at my age, you're going to the emergency room. So I put it on 20 inches, and I do the, I do the workout, do the 20-inch box jumps. She's doing anyway, one day, I got frustrated, and I thought to myself, you know what? I can do 24. I can do it. I know you're going, Gary, 24. I'm just telling you, 24. And so I go to one of the owners of the gym, and I said, one day I'm going to do the 24-inch. And he said, let's do it right now. And I said, I thought we might work up and practice some more. My legs are a little tired right now. So let's do 24. So he put the box on 24 and he said, just just jump up there. Don't think about it, just jump up there. Listen, we're talking four inches. Four inches is from my thumb to, to the bottom of my palm. I measured it. That's four inches, exactly. I'm telling you, four inches exactly, right there, four inches. But when we're talking about faith, what is really a small step can seem huge. When I talk about placing your faith in Jesus Christ, it's really a four-inch step. Listen to me, it is. It's four inches. But it seems huge because you've got disappointments, because you've got fears, because you've got doubts. I get it. I'm just telling you, it's, it's not as big as you think it is. It's a huge decision. Don't let me minimize the decision here. And the reason why I bring it up is because there are people here today that you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And let's just be honest, there are a lot of us here today that our faith in Jesus Christ is not as strong as it was last year because of everything that's gone on. That we're leaning towards doubt or we're leaning towards our disappointments and only being able to see them. Or our fears are overwhelming us. Maybe today... You just take a four-inch step of faith. And you say, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust the dead guy who rose back to life. Well, anyway, I'm getting ready to jump on this box. And again, it's four inches and I'm looking at it and I'm getting a little nervous. I just found I was getting a little nervous. And they call me whatever you want to call me. I was getting a little nervous. And I looked at the owner of the gym and I said, 
I'm afraid I'm going to fall. Sounds crazy, I know. Four inches. So I'm afraid I'm going to fall. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I'm going to stand behind you and I'll try to catch you if you do. Well, in that moment, guess what? I had supernatural jumping ability. I was encouraged, somebody's going to catch me. And I jumped onto the box, 24 inches. Listen to me. This is what I found in Jesus Christ. He will get you every time. He's not going to try to catch you. He's going to catch you. You got disappointments? Listen to me. Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, can get you. You have fears? Whatever they are. Past, present, future. Listen to me. He will catch you. You have doubts? You have doubts? Listen, He will meet you in the midst of your doubts and not condemn you for them, but He will catch you. He'll turn your disappointment into joy. He'll turn your fears into power. And He'll turn your doubts into faith. Now here's the truth. Since I've started following Jesus Christ, I still have disappointments, don't you? But I've got Jesus Christ there with me. I still have fears. But I've got Jesus Christ with me. I still have doubts. Listen to me. But I have Jesus Christ with me. Maybe today is the day where you say, you know what? I'm stepping up. I'm going to take the four-inch step of faith here. Maybe you're going to take it for the first time. Or maybe you're going to renew your faith or renew your commitment to Jesus Christ. Well, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer that I prayed with the 8 o'clock service. It's a prayer that I prayed for our online service because we feel that service earlier in the week. And I'm just going to ask you to bow your head with me. And I'm going to pray this prayer out loud and ask that you pray it with me. Jesus, I need You. I believe that You are the Son of God who died and rose again. Today, I am following You. I'm asking you to come into my life. In the midst of my disappointments. In the midst of my fears. In the midst of my doubts. I am placing my hope in you. And with your head bowed, just as a sign of your commitment, did anybody pray that prayer today? Would you raise your hand? I would love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you raised your hand today, I'm asking that you would write on the Connect card. On the Connect card, there's a box that says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Or, or maybe you, you're going to say, I'm renewing my faith. I renewed my faith today. I want to pray for you this week. And then I want to pray for you right now. God, I thank you for the hands that went up. Thank you for who you are. You are the Son of God. 
You are the one who died. And you are the one who rose again. We are placing all of our hope, all of our trust, all of our disappointments, fears, and doubts in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.